Today on Ag News Daily. That's definitely an area where we have um, issues with and where we're still you know, working. We have some laws that allow us to grow um, with more tools now, so BT crop is allowed in, in, in Nigeria. Good morning, listeners. Welcome back to the Ag News Daily Podcast. Friday, February 17th, 2023. Tana Winterhoff here broadcasting to you live from the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, Kentucky. We are excited to have a Friday episode put together for you before a wonderful weekend. Uh, Delaney is going to catch back up with us uh, next week as things go there, but Hoping everybody is having a great start to your Friday. Yesterday at the National Farm Machinery Show, I had mentioned Wednesday, the crowds were very uh, impressive. And Thursday, I felt like there was even more people present. There was times to where lunch lines were uh, very extended. There were booth lines. It was almost hard to walk between people. So really good turnout down here in Kentucky. Had some rain, uh, a couple of flash flood warnings here in the area. But ultimately, once we got to about the noon hour, everything was clear and smooth sailing. So glad to hear everything is going well at the trade show. Hoping to get some total attendance numbers to share with you next week. But ultimately, we are having a good time down here. Rural economy is slowing down. Obviously, we've talked about that on the podcast before. The uh, Department of natural resources and combined with Creighton University put together their rural Main Street index that we have talked about. The RMI for February sits at 50.1. That's down from 53.8 that we reported in January. This is the third straight month overall that it has stayed above growth neutral, which is barely this time, just by 0.1. The index ranges between zero and 100. To remind you, 50 is neutral. It is generated by uh, the monthly survey provided to bank CEOs in 10 different Midwest states to get their opinion on this area. Only 7% of the bankers reported improving economic conditions in this report, and 85% indicated that there was no change in the conditions from January. So that would be why uh, things did not change a lot for us. Farmland prices, however, are continuing to go up. The price index decreased a little bit from 66 in January to 63.5. This was the 29th straight month. The index had advanced above 50, so still positive above the net neutral, but it is a smaller margin for the month that we are reporting today in February. As a result, solid farm financial conditions are there. Farm equipment sales index stood at 52.1, so just barely above, but that was down significantly from January's 61.4. So ultimately, the Creighton report combined with the uh, government office is stating that the economy is slowing down. It is still positive above the net neutral figure, but ultimately uh, is giving us a little bit of caution to continue to monitor. A lot of conversations down here at the National Farm Machinery Show revolved around the headline that came out in the middle of the afternoon. FBN will have new leadership. 
Amal Despande will step down as CEO effective February 28th. We've had Amal on this podcast before a couple of times. The coming CEO is John Vasky. He has served on the board since 2017, and for the last six years, he's been the head of the Americas for Agribusiness and Investment Group, Tamask. So for 28 years before that, he was at Goldman Sachs. He has a strong investment background. FBN stated in their press release that uh, Vasky aims to lead the company's next chapter with a focus on long-term, sustainable, and profitable growth by empowering family farms around the world. So quite an interesting thing there. Having grown up on a farm in Iowa, I know firsthand the challenges of the work that farmers do and recognize deeply the impact that it has on the broader economy. Amal and his team have empowered farmers to enhance their livelihoods, was a quote coming directly from Vasky. Uh, Of course, as we wandered the trade show, a lot of speculation around that headline, and I'm sure there's going to be more news. The same announcement came out Uh, And Amal stated that FBN was founded with the mission to improve the profitability of family farms and assist the great small business entrepreneurs in rural America. While much has changed since the beginning, the mission has not. I'm proud of what our team has accomplished on the impact and will continue to work with our team to build it. John has been on the board for the last five years, and we know that he will help our continued growth. So that was an interesting story to get some perspective on, especially as people wandered by and... uh, had conversations with us at the podcast booth. We've been talking a lot about the USDA payments that are evolving and becoming available in 2023. CRP is one of those categories. The USDA has finally announced their details uh, in regards to additional funding coming out of the Pandemic Assistance Revenue Program. Unlikely, or just unlike, The Emergency Relief Program, ERP, the PARP, is the phase one where farmers did not have to do anything in order to get signed up. PARP now might be a little bit more difficult for you to figure out if you can qualify. This program is only for the 2020 crop year. It must be based on that calendar year. The farmer will calculate its allowable gross revenue, or AGR, for one of two benchmarks, either 2018 or 19, then multiply this AGR by a factor based upon your base revenue to compare it to 2020. So a lot of math there being combined into this program. It works to be about an 85% guarantee of your historical income. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see as more information comes out on that program. But like I said, CRP is also in the news because their new details for sign-up in 2023 were just announced. Farmers and landowners can begin applying for this CRP program at the end of the month. The sign-up will open on February 27th and be available through April 7th. The USDA offers CRP as a voluntary program to use as a tool to help agriculture communities invest in the long-term success of their area. Uh, The USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack was quoted saying, CRP has continued to be a great fit for farmers with less productive and marginal ground, help them reestablish valuable income from the land and help us improve water quality, prevent soil erosion, support wildlife habitat, and more. So the general CRP uh, obviously has long-term commitment availabilities that has not changed, but continuous CRP is getting a little bit 
of an evolution. People can enroll in that throughout that period during the year and look at continuous rollover options. Obviously, through the FSA, several additional enrollment opportunities are coming for you. So continue to watch those. And there are some tag-on programs, such as the Clean Lakes uh, and Rivers Initiative, State Acres for Wildlife Enhancement, Farmable Wetlands Program, and more. So continue to check those out at your local FSA office. Just a couple more headlines for you here Friday morning. There is looks at a U.S. farm export forecast telling us that we are looking at a 12% reduction over the next three years. The USDA states there might be a global economic slowdown on the horizon. Combining that with inflation and higher interest rates and a strong dollar are all factors that will work against the U.S. in their future exports. So a forecast put through 2026 was released yesterday. The macroeconomic conditions are expected to slow the U.S. Expert exports earlier than the imports, leading to a negative trade balance, which is what Congress will now use this forecast for as they put their plans together. Exports will decline across the board. It's not just one crop, according to analysts. They are looking at grains and soybeans, though, potentially being hit the hardest. This may start to see an impact as early as November of 2023, and that may affect commodity prices as well. A rebound, though, might be on the horizon for 2027. Farm exports are then forecasted at $190 billion this year, dropping to $166.3 billion in 2026, and then rising steadily between 26 and 32, back up to 182.2. So that gives you a 10-year look at what U.S. exports might become. But if soybean farmers can't export their grains, maybe they can turn to aquaculture. Aquaculture and soybean growers are looking to team up together. Domestic fish farming has declined in the recent decade, and imports are drastically taking on and filling that gap. So if we have trade deficit, uh, this might be an opportunity for us. The industries are activating within the U.S., even though we import about 90% of our fish and the seafood that is consumed here, the U.S. Department of Agriculture is stating that there are economic realities that have moved the production overseas to areas like China and Southeastern Asia. Though they're working now currently with a grant opportunity through the same Economic Investment Act that will provide farmers in the U.S. at boast. Why does this help U.S. soybean growers in particular? They benefit indirectly from the aquaculture market because soy meal is a large component in many fish rations. Still, producers would obviously love to ship soybeans overseas, but this is a little bit of a silver lining for us. Philip Good states that he has double interest in aquaculture. He not only can raise the catfish and sell those, but he can grow the soybeans on his farm. So we'll see. If we continue to get more details on grant programs coming out to help those farmers in the aquaculture world. As we look towards the end of today's episode, we appreciate you hanging around from us. Markets here before the day opens has a front month March contract for corn up one cent in the overnight to 677. 
March soybeans up one to fifteen twenty-eight this morning. Wheat again a little slow overnight, down three cents, seven sixty-two in the March contract. Dece corn was nearly even in the overnight, opening at five ninety-two and a half. November soybeans opening almost unchanged at three thirteen eighty-four, and the December wheat contract down three as well to eight oh one. Feeder cattle in the overnight, nearly unchanged, but down a little. Uh, April 23 contract opens at 19060. Uh, other than that, hogs and lean, yeah, lean hogs look unchanged as well. So great start to our Friday. Hopefully everybody's got good weather and good plans for your weekend. Let's turn it over to our Friday conversation before you have Livestock, you farm hogs specifically in Germany. And in the U.S., uh, animal agriculture, it seems like, is constantly being under attack by animal activists and anti ag groups. Do you also experience that in Germany? And if so, what type of efforts do you specifically do within your different agriculture advocacy groups to kind of camp- counteract that or help with some of the misinformation? Um, yeah, it's in, in Germany, it's the same. Um, we have the same that uh, animal activists breaks into stables, um, making bad videos at the night and, um, yeah, uh, bring them to, um, yeah, special media, to, to shows and talking about what uh, bad things the farmer do. Um, it's, yeah, I think that's, that they have the same, same problems, same challenges. Um, yeah, what we do, um, There are different things. We do um, show what, what, what is farming, make videos from, from into the stable, bringing people into the stables, show what is modern agriculture. Um, but on the other hand, we say, okay, you are um, interesting and in, you want more animal welfare. Um, some farmers build new stables with, with trow. Um, so in, in Germany, all the stables, that's a little bit different to the US. It's built very tough buildings. Um, so that's, that's a few windows on that, that's nothing. Um, so then bring, um, that they can, can go out. So that they, the people say they had to see the sun. Um, And then, um, yeah, st- um, parts, there are only straw, then parts with, uh, with wood and so on. So that have different um, to play for the pigs. Um, but all of that had to be po- paid. And that's the biggest problem. So that's, it's totally is interesting. Um, This, this animal activist makes um, yeah stand in front of the supermarket and ask the people what want you what you want to buy, and 80 percent says yes I will pay for animal welfare, but they come out and they buy the cheapest uh, meat what they can get in the supermarket. So no, um, you don't pay for that, and I think that's that's at the moment the biggest challenge for us. Um, explaining you can get more animal welfare. We have a very good standard and you get more when you pay for that. Um, but yeah, the activists, that's, that's a problem. And the solution, I don't know. In terms of the supply chain and shortages perhaps that you have each experienced related to that, 
do you still have supply chain challenges or an inability to obtain certain chemicals, ingredients, seed, technology that you need? Patients, I see. I know you do. I know you do. Oh, yes, we do. We have a lot. Uh, so I, I think it's... Um very vital um, input we need is seed. So technology, you know, that that makes us be give us gives us the the advantage of drought resistance or you know better genetics of crop that um, could eventually cause us to have higher yields. That's definitely an area where we have um, issues with, and where we're still you know working. We have some laws that allow us to grow. Um, with more tools now, so BT crop is allowed in, in, in Nigeria. Uh, but we still have, and then of course the Ukraine war and then coming from COVID um, caused a lot of supply chain issues with fertilizers especially. And so we had fertilizer prices hitting the roof. Uh, we have issues with um, even our powering of, of stuff. So diesel prices go up. We are a very peculiar country where we, we have crude oil, but we export crude and import um, refined diesel or petrol. And so um, with the war in Ukraine, that has caused us a lot of issues. And so our farmers really did struggle through the year. And so there's a lot of, um, uh, there's so many places where we could still work to get a, a better supply chain, so to speak. Guillermo? Yes, um, I, I will talk about our tortilla consumption. Uh, that that white corn, uh, we we are banned to 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 plant GMO corn, and I think we we don't have to to in 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 sowing GMO corn in Mexico. I think we we, we don't. We have the lose the, the 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 battle, and we don't. I think we don't need need GM white corn because we have excellent hybrids. The, uh, we we have many many climates, many conditions, many many highest and uh, about the the sea level, and we have developed. Uh, a lot of hy corn hybrids and doing really, really good uh, as a GMO. Of course, um, we we have no glypho tolerant and stuff like that. But but the the yield genetics and the healthy genetics is is covered. Uh, so that that's I think it's not it's not a problem. But but we have uh, a, a lot of. Uh, a lot of issues about that because Mexico is center of origin of corn, so we we have many many kinds of corn: yellow, yellow, blue, black, red, paint, and beautiful ones. Uh, but 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 there, there are no precise. They are not the the most yielding uh, uh, corns. But they 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 are useful to to uh, do some crosses and and take uh, and take advantage of the hybrid uh, the hybridization. Um, so um, that's that's about the, the seeds. In 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 the case of 
fertilizers we, we are suffering the the world the world problem of of, of costs and in crop protection we we have the the threat the threats of the government to to ban some herbicides and other pe pesticides uh, without scientific rigor uh, so uh, we have to do the to to do the battle against this these issues uh, and try to to get another molecules but but uh, to to in in some cases make make a change but uh, we use glyphosate in 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 preceding and uh, and works excellent so uh, we have we have to to do the battle and against in in the same way of the gmo yellow corn uh, we, we, we have that problem with the, with the government. Marcus or Pila, do either of you have supply chain issues that you're still facing? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, the most of them are the same. Um, we have the problems with um, doubling the uh, diesel prices, um, doubling the fertilizer prices. So that's not for our farms in our region because of the livestock farming. So we have a lot of menu. Um, for us, it was not a big problem. It was very nice to sell the wheat with a double price. Um, but um, for 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 diesel and so that's the same. Um, for us, was more the bigger problem that we as a farmer um, for producing um, food are the first step in um, in the supply chain because um, for like like pick. Uh, for the pigs, for the pig meat, we get not the money we need for that. So, and um, that was that was one of the biggest challenges the last two years, uh, or one and a half year. Um, yeah. In Argentina, we don't, but we have sometimes because of the wrong decisions of the government. You know, they they used to interrupt sometimes the fluxes of import exports, thus uh, give us make a, a inconvenience. But uh, we shouldn't. Okay, last question we're going to take here today before we wrap up is. How do each of you view the United States as far as competition on the global market? Do you think that the way United States does trade with your countries or in the world market is fair? And are there any issues that you would like to address within the way the U.S. does business? Yeah, for, for me, as a, as a European farmer, as a German farmer, I think that's fair, yes. Um, yeah, we buy this the soya bean meal. Um, okay, we we would be happy that we in in Germany can use uh, GMOs too, but it's not allowed. Um, the same discussion with with CRISPR Cas, but I seem there's no problem, and so that's it's fine for us. Uh, so do I, and I think that we have a very good experience as uh, South American farmers and producers with uh, American farmers and producers uh, advocating for our production, mostly for our uh, soybean and the sub-products and also the use of GMOs, you know, and other technologies. I think uh, 
perhaps the only thing that we should uh, strengthen and deep that relationship. Yes, I think it's fair. Um, what I think about global trade is, I mean, it's, it's balanced, right? It balances itself out. Um, in, in, in Africa, for instance, there's, we use tons of wheat, millions of tons of wheat, and there's wheat that can grow in Africa. I mean, trade is really a give and take, right? So um, I think it's fair agriculturally um, that if you produce efficiently, um, I mean, you can sell your, your surplus, basically. But I, I just always believe that there needs to be, be, a, be a balance. And, and then, you know, African countries need to up their game in terms of production so they can even have something to bring the, to the table to trade in order to get that balance. We, we have, since NAFTA, about 30, 30 years of treatment. Uh, I think the, the, best, the best economist from Mexico ha, ha, has been uh, being part of, of that ne negotiations in the past. I think we have a, a fair platform to 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 do a strong agreement, uh, and we we have um, the, that 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 platform to 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 go in in the in the next in in that's that's to to do the in in the in the in the following years. So uh, I. I uh, I think is is fair because we we have very uh, the conditions are are very very good for for both for both for both parts uh, and there are an equilibrium in 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 different uh, commerce things. Uh, in in cars and and feeding, you know, uh, it's, it's agreement in, in in both sides, and it, I think it's fair and and it's important for our country and for United States as well. Great, thank you guys so much. Thank you for all the NAFB members for hopping on with us. We really appreciate it, and thank you to all of you for your time sharing some of your thoughts about each of your respective countries. Listeners, thank you for hanging out with me by myself here on Friday. I appreciate you having an opportunity to listen to the latest headlines. As always, track us down, Ag News Daily Podcast, A&D, on all social media channels. Share it with your friends. Leave us a review. We always like what we can do, like what you could tell us that we could do better. So thanks again for hanging out with us. But for today, what do you say? We're going to let you go.